White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Red Echo, Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello and welcome to today's edition of Locked On White Sox. I am your host, Chris Tannehill. Herb Lawrence is with me in Pittsburgh. As you are listening to this right now, we are probably downing a nice cold yinling or an Iron City light and having a good time in the Steel City. We'll be checking out game two of this Pirate series, the final game of the Pirate series today, and driving our way back to Chicago immediately after the game. So if you haven't noticed, we will not be recapping uh, any of these games this series just yet. We'll see what happens tomorrow, but we're going to take this opportunity here to talk to our friend Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully from the Locked on MLB podcast here on the Locked on Podcast Network, and we are brought to you today by our friends at Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms, Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. So this is a conversation we taped with Sully earlier on this year, like way before even spring training began, and we're just talking about White Sox culture, uniforms, where Herb and I grew up, how we be, you know became Sox fans initially, and just talking about big picture Sox things and pop culture and things of that nature. So it was a fun conversation with Sully. It's when people think of the White Sox and White Sox fans, these are all questions that Sully is asking. So you'll hear our take on a lot of those things. But more importantly, this is a great opportunity for us to get back to Chicago today after this game. We hope you guys enjoyed the trip to Pittsburgh episode yesterday, the Pittsburgh preview. And for many of you, we hope you guys enjoyed your time in Pittsburgh because I know a lot of you are making the trip as well as we are. So if you're checking this out early Wednesday morning, we'll be at the game today. Uh, you'll probably see me in my Ed Farmer jersey. I think I'll be wearing that today, so stop us and say hello uh, if you're so inclined. We'd love to talk to you guys. If you guys are SCORE fans, if you guys are fans of the show, of the Locked On Sox podcast, please stop and say hello. We'd love to chat you up. So after a quick timeout, you'll hear our conversation with Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully. That's next here on Locked On White Sox. This episode of Locked On White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans like you. The app is for free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Look, Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join a conversation about any league that you like. You'll find fans just like yourself on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to the big news or rumors of the day. You can even find Locked On hosts across the NBA, MLB, and NHL. We here at Locked On White Sox, we're going to join Locker Room very soon, and we can't wait to talk to you guys there after a big game. Go to the iOS App Store and download Locker Room for free. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter page, and join the MLB, NFL, NHL group for the latest league updates. I know you'll find a ton of incredible rooms there around your favorite teams and leagues. I can't wait to join you guys on the app. I'll be sure to let you guys know once the Locked On White Sox room is live. So download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room. Changing the way we talk sports. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Wealthfront. 
You know, stonks, memes, rocket ships, day trading can be a lot of fun. But if you want to grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Wealthfront can create a portfolio of globally diversified, low-cost index funds personalized just for you in minutes. No manual trades, no picking stocks, no watching the stock market every day. They automatically handle all the investing based on preferences that you control. Wealthfront can even help you lower the taxes you pay as you invest. For the average client, their tax-loss harvesting can more than cover the low annual 0.25% advisory fee. Best of all, it's automatic. Weatherfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnMLB. That's Wealthfront.com slash LockedOnMLB. All you need to get started is $500. Grow your wealth the easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your first $5,000 managed slash LockedOnMLB to start growing your savings, go to Wealthfront.com slash MLB and get started today. Are those the Chicago American? What is the hat? Giants. Yeah. Chicago American Giants. Nice. Yeah. Thank Good you. call. And you got a big hurt vest behind you. Uh, yes. Not... Absolutely. Yeah. And your 1977 Southside Hitmen T-shirt. Absolutely. Yeah. You... I was doing. Yeah, a... it's all sucks up. Yeah. I'm uh, that closet behind me. I can close. <laughs> I'm, in my, I'm in my bedroom. Um, I was just doing. I'm doing a thing. I'm I'm doing a separate writing project about um, uh, the 1972 postseason, which the White Sox contended for, but they didn't get in. But that was the year that Dick Allen, may rest in peace, was the MVP, and uh, that was one of the factors that saved the White Sox that season. And um, Vec buying them from in '76, preventing them from moving. But uh, yeah, that's just I've just been catching up on my Dick Allen, uh, yeah stuff. So, so have we I, actually, you know, talking to a lot of older older fans, like you know their historical you know accounts of what he meant to the team. Like it's pretty amazing, you know, a guy who's forgotten in White Sox history. But the way you know people talk about him, you know, it's wish I could have seen him play, man. But yeah, you talk about great uniforms too. Those seventy Sox uniforms. Mwah. Just kiss on those. I love those. Well, do it. Let's. We're, we're on that right now. Let's get the. Let's get the uniform thing out of the way because we're on a little bit of a roll here. Because we're, we're, we're right now. I'm just gonna hit record. Just talk about this for a second. We'll get the. We'll get the uniform discussion in right now. Um, we're gonna talk White Sox uniforms. We got uh, Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill from Locked On White Sox, and we've got a White Sox uniform hanging in the background. Chris Tannehill, how you guys doing? Good, Sully. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm great. I'm outstanding. Herb, you doing all right? Doing good. Doing good. Thank you for having us. It's funny. I asked how you doing, and Herb gave me a nice nod. And a, <laughs> aud- audio podcast. That's but, a radio um, veteran right there, baby. But that's, the, why uh, <laughs> that's why you make the big bucks. But um, when I was growing up, it seemed like if you didn't like the White Sox uniforms, just wait a year, and they'll be different. <laughs> and from my first memories of the White Sox of having the collared uniforms, uh, the, the, the Oscar Gamble specials where they, they wasn't even tucked in. Of course, people remember Jack Brohammer and everyone wearing shorts for a couple of games, but those, the uniforms had the collared shirts with Chicago in the front, which were the uniforms that were brought in by Bill Vec to sort of make them seem old fashioned, but, in actuality, they made them look 70s because it had the big collar and everything. 
Uh, and a few years after that, they had the socks across the front of their uniforms and the Logan Run uh, type uniform they had when they won ugly in 83. And then they went to what I thought was the most boring uniform they ever had with the Curse of Sea and those script white socks across the front, oh. which is... And well, no, no, okay. And and then they went back to. I love those, the, by the way. Uh, we'll get to. Ooh. Then they went back to what Ooh. we will call the traditional socks font, and save for the turn back the clock nights or any nights that Chris Sales had the scissors hidden, they've kept those uniforms pretty much from the nanosecond they left the old ballpark, and I'm frankly a little tired of them. I wouldn't mind seeing something different. And I happen to love what they were in spring training, where they have the, the socks, the, the batter logo with socks on that, some variation of what they wore in 1983. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing them going back to a uniform like that, but I want to see something different. I want to see that variety because I like the always morphing kind of like the the end of the michael jackson black or white video where it just keeps changing and changing i i i, I like that there's a great variety of white sock uniforms so i want to mix it up so i can see i struck a nerve with chris with trashing <laughs> the late 80s uniforms there so tell me your thoughts well they're, they're not my favorite by any means but i guess there's some nostalgia there that was you know when i first started loving the white socks like that was the uniform they were wearing of course the white socks notably the the first team ever i believe to do the the term back the clock when they had the That's uniforms right. from 1917 and go back if you want if you're a younger fan go back and look at sammy sosa in the 1917 white Sox uniform as like something that'll really <laughs> like kind of give, give you a, a mind freak there but yeah i i love the the clean look of those those late 80s early 90s uniforms frank thomas uh breaking in the league wearing those uniforms i just i just love Jack the McDowell. exactly the, robin ventura yeah like i just love Yvonne the calderon oh yeah yeah robin you know climbing the fence at old tiger stadium to rob a home run in those uniforms they mm -hmm. never they never brought those back in any capacity uh no. so maybe maybe i'm in the uh, you know i'm in the minority here that likes them so much like i thought 2020 would have been the first good reason to bring them back sort of as a 30th anniversary also the team on the field mirrored the team that wore those uniforms a younger team with a lot of upside and exciting stars but yet yeah, not not mm -hmm. a lot of people are, are high on those uniforms as i am they call the, the curse of sea the what campbell you think of the curse of sea the, the campbell sea is what they call it yeah oh, I, the campbell sea yeah that, yeah that's just here what they call it but yeah like i like that i have that cap i wear it often but yeah herb i, I know he's not the biggest fan of the 83s like you those they tend to get overrated here uh on the, on the south side you know white Sox fans i was like oh enough but you know people either love him or hate him but yeah herb i I don't remember Herb's thoughts on the old uh, the Campbell C era uniforms. I can do with or without them, but I am a staunch current uniform guy. The the classic old English mm -hmm. SOX going down the left side of your chest. Um, there's no, I think, more iconic baseball cap than the White Sox cap. And I think this is when the team vaulted into prominence when they got these uniforms. And then the team on the field was also awesome. Mm -hmm. So I I associate the White Sox and what White Sox fans would call the golden era of White Sox baseball because we made the playoffs much more, which is pathetic, <laughs> than we've ever made it before then. Yeah. But so in this that these uniforms remind us of that, and that's why we we want to keep this uniform and then introduce other ones like maybe coming back like on every Sunday home game, we do the 83 home game uniforms. Mm -hmm. I wish we could switch that tradition up to get the 
the Campbell C uniforms out there, the 17 uniforms, the 59 uniforms. They've had a great, great history. history. Like like the red ones, the blue ones, like mm-hmm. the collared ones you're talking about. Like, I don't know if a team's had a more historic and better run in uniforms than, than the White Sox. It's just so awesome. I wish the team on the field matched that, but I love the current uniforms. I actually want them to go back to the vest. I don't know if that's a popular move. Everybody kind of hates the vets. I love the vest. Okay. I love the vest. By the way, there's uh, we know obviously the White Sox have uh, uh, with the eight men out and with Field of Dreams, they've been featured in two of the most acclaimed baseball films of all time. There is a bit of apocryphal uh, White Sox uniform or at least hat wearing in a film which is uh, straight out of Compton, which was the first time you see um, Ice Cube walking in. He's wearing the White Sox cap, but that scene took place in 87. Yeah. So he would have to be wearing the, the Campbell <laughs> soup kit. So he probably would have been wearing the LA Raiders hat, right? Because the Raiders were yeah. that. If that probably would have been what he was wearing. He probably didn't see the curse of seas that yes, yes, this is, this is what I'm going to be wearing. But when he walked in there, Straight out of Compton, very very good movie. It took me out of the scene. Took me out of the scene. Wrong, wrong White Sox cap. Yeah, Sox. a lot of people felt the same way about that. I think I, if you go on my Twitter or my Instagram at Chris Tannehill, somewhere on there, I have I photoshopped Easy E wearing the the eighty three Sox cap, <laughs> and it just it's a totally different look altogether. But yeah, I, I see why for aesthetics they chose to be historically inaccurate. They took some some uh, you know creative liberties there with the with that cap. From what from what I understand, that wasn't the only creative liberty that was taken with the story. <laughs> Absolutely. <yeah. laughs> but that being said, that was the only one that I happened to have known. So, so are you guys? Where are you both? If I took a map and put a pin where you were, where would you guys currently be right now? Well, if you're at Lake Michigan, I'm kind of close. I'm like a mile away from Lake Michigan mm-hmm. in a town in a area of the city. It's called Ravenswood. Um, okay. And then Chris is a little further. Like if you're by O'Hare, mm-hmm. he's in that area by the uh, Chicagoland area. So we're both in the city of Chicago, but a little far. All right. I last was in Chicago in 2016. I've been there several times in my life. I've been to Wrigley and I've been to when I was there it was called New Comiskey Park. I mm-hmm. has since become it's was a guaranteed rate field now is that correct all right look at that look at that i got it on one bounce let me tell you the year i went there uh and i actually talked to uh on a a previous episode of my old podcast i had on comedian and podcaster jimmy pardo who is a rabid chicago white Sox fan and we were talking about we were there we both were there the year that it opened in 1991 and I was in the upper deck where the upper deck was raked so badly that when me and my pop went up to the seats, it was like the old Adam West Batman TV show when they were climbing up the side of the building. That's what it <laughs> felt like going to our seats. It was just sort of like completely, you know, walking straight up. It was kind of scary. It was but- scary. I remember I was up there. I was 10 years old. I saw the White Sox in the playoffs in 93 against the Blue Jays. Mm-hmm. And typically we you sit lower bowl, but when the playoffs are around, it was hard to get tickets back way back when for all you youngsters out there, like when they when you'd have to call on the phone to get tickets and hope you get through on a landline. We got tickets literally. <laughs> 
literally in the last row of the upper deck at, at, mm-hmm. at what was then the new Comiskey Park. And seriously, when you're when you're walking down back to the concourse to to get you know uh, food or drink or whatever, you feel like. You know, you're naturally your your body is just leaning towards falling down the steps and over the railing. Like that's always in your the back of your brain for every step you take there. And it was the, I haven't sat you know that high up ever since. And actually, they they lopped off I think 15 rows from that upper deck in yeah, recent yeah. in recent years, so you wouldn't have as much of that feeling. But it's still pretty damn steep up there. Yeah, and I I was there in the summer of 91. I got to see Carlton Fisk as a native New Englander. It was the last time I could see Carlton Fisk play was on that squad. But the other thing that I remember was when we were there, they hadn't finished tearing down old Comiskey. Mm. So old, the center, straightaway center field with the the pinwheels and everything and the, the upper deck with the green and the yellow were still exist. The rest of it was all knocked down, but I kind of saw that and it was like, you know, you kind of like kind of dropped to one knee and, and, you know, sort of paid respect to what the, all the great, you know, all the great players that were there, not just the great White Sox team, but that was where the, the East West Negro league all-star game was. And so many great players came through there and, and you're just like, yeah, it was right right there and they're just knocking it down the first all-star game too i believe in baseball yeah. history and yeah, three, yeah yeah and also if you go there to, to this day the the where the original home plate stood for old comiskey is there in the parking lot so they, they kept that aspect of it it's pretty cool when you're walking back to your car or you're walking from your car to the gate you can touch that original home plate right there that's like one of my favorite things that a lot of, not a lot of people know about so if you're at Sox park this summer and hopefully we all are in a big time capacity don't forget about that part to go seek that out you know the white Sox. i'm sure you guys know this but for the listeners the white Sox turned down a stadium design from the people who wound up designing camden yards and the white Sox really had a chance to be the team to start the ballpark revolution and the year after new comiskey opened uh camden yards opened and became a massive success even when the orioles were terrible that they it became the place to go and i've al- i've always wondered what would have happened if the white Sox had built that had gone the traditional park route instead of you know creating new comiskey which you know to be fair new comiskey has a you know, whatever it's called i was called new comiskey and went there has a lot of the you know, amenities that the old ballparks didn't have the the wide concourses you know the, it was designed with you know those rake seats notwithstanding with fans you know you know good vision in mind but it was what camden yards meant was recreating albeit a, a, an artificial old-fashioned feeling and i can't help but wonder what would have happened to even the fortunes of the white Sox if they've if they're able to do it i mean the white Sox have been more successful than baltimore has been since the opening of the two stadiums but just in terms of being a, a destination ballpark yeah i've gone to i think 17 of the current ballparks so far and camden yards is top three for me and if that would have been the White Sox home ballpark man I would have just go to games just so I can be there I mean I've gone to PNC which is my favorite just on times where I was like man I just love that ballpark but it's only a seven hour drive let's get there I can imagine <laughs> having that type of ballpark 
in my home city. And I love that. Uh, I love that layout. And I can't believe Ryan Surf turned that down. The people at Camden Yards will remind you of that when you walk through. Because I was <laughs> not wearing White Sox gear, but I said I was a White Sox fan. And they told told us about that story ad nauseum when we were there. But, uh, man, I would uh, – dream i mean that lease for this new the newer comiskey park and now guaranteed rate i think runs out at the end of this decade so hopefully in my lifetime we can see a new ballpark one that faces the beautiful chicago skyline which is another thing that they messed up when they built this ballpark and the university of illinois chicago the uic flames play at curtis granderson field which is right down the street from from let's just call it comiskey park for the purposes of this it could be different by the time this posts but they and actually <laughs> there's a better field view of the skyline at curtis granderson field where a college team plays and i don't know i think de la salle maybe plays there a little bit too but like they they got it right there's the center field backdrop is the skyline of chicago like from from the south side and it's just it's a beautiful view and if you want to ever say you know what if go to curtis granderson field which is you know not far from the where the Sox play now and see how they could have gotten it right yeah i mean that was uh i mean look at we all know what was on the verge of happening with the white Sox potentially moving to Tampa Bay, I mean, the whole reason why the trap exists was to lure the White Sox, and 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 the and I really thought it was happening. I think everyone thought it was happening, and it's it's unbelievable to think of that there was a period of time that Tampa Bay was so desired to go to from uh, you know the I was living in the San Francisco Bay Area when the Giants almost moved there, and the result of that was. They built AT&T Park, which is, in my opinion, the best ballpark in – it may not be AT&T Park anymore. It may be something else. I, forget. I think it's called, called Oracle now. Oracle but yeah. We yeah. were we – were, had a, a flight booked, and we're going to San Francisco. This we That's who we trap. Me and Tandy go together to see baseball parks, and that was – everybody keep on saying, if you haven't been to Oracle, AT&T Park, you need that's, to get out there. That'll be your number one. And so that people keep on telling us. And then MLB didn't reschedule this year's schedule for next year. So I don't know when we're going to go, but we're going to get there. I'll tell you that my, you know, my dad is a um, – my dad's not well now, but he is a Giants fan from the Polo Grounds days. And then we moved to the San Francisco area, and he li- he's, you know, he's always a Giants fan, Loves Willie Mays, loves Barry Bonds, and the only World Series game I ever went to in my life was in 2014 with my pop at AT&T Park when they played Kansas City, and uh, it's the greatest new tradition in baseball, which is the boats coming up and all the kayaks and the dinghies and everything's and everyone the rowboats coming up the up um, up the harbor there and into the cove. You know, I mean, it's funny that we we think of maybe replacing the White Sox ballpark, but you know, they replaced the Braves ballpark, and that was built for the Olympics in in '96. They replaced the ballpark in um, Texas, and I happen to I've been to the ball I've been to the ballpark in Texas and and in Turner Field in Atlanta. Both of those ballparks were great, and I kind of wish what they could have done is dynamite around them, lift them up, bring them to Oakland, and drop it in the parking lot so they can use that stadium. But, <laughs> but maybe one of the, you're right. If the, if you had a stadium in the South Side, I'm not saying the White Sox should abandon the South Side of Chicago, um, but 
if you could have a stadium in the south side that faces the the skyline maybe won't be as prominent as the skyline in pnc where it's just spectacular but just sort of remind everyone hey this is this is a you know a great chicago ballpark Uh, that's that's got to do something for the the fans of chicago i mean i just look at what wrigley is to me wrigley is not a great stadium in itself as a as a fan who wants to go to watch a game i understand it's a historic uh, significance i get all that but there's a lot of people who just flock to that place just like hey it's a tuesday i'm in chicago let's go and see a game at wrigley we could have that type of atmosphere i mean mm-hmm. we still have availability maybe in the south loop so you could still say you're a south side ball club and then have a closer, more PNC type of atmosphere for the White Sox. I'm just throwing things out there because the stadium now, I like it. It's enjoyable times, but we didn't hit the ball out of the park when we first got it. We had to do a renovation, a five-part renovation to get to this level, and I still think it's you know above average but not a great ballpark. Yeah, and you look at places like PNC, you know, Oracle, like we just talked about, there are places in baseball where the stadium itself is a draw. And if you're in town, you got to make sure you catch a game here because you want to take, you know, a photo and from the upper deck with the great backdrop behind you. Like White Sox where they play now is not a draw for people coming out of town and people and people who like to, you know, check off baseball parks on, on their checklist as they travel about the country. You never you talk about people, you know, they, they try to hit where the Sox play in the same weekend is is hitting Wrigley. You know, it's never a you know a standalone trip. The food is probably up there among the best in baseball, but as far as the aesthetics, it's not quite there. And I think they would be, be better served to having a, a different view, uh, just to get some new energy there. And I don't think the White Sox will ever leave the South Side, nor should they, because there's not many teams that have as much identity as where what part of town they play as the White Sox do. So I don't think they'll do that. But you know, you, you're seeing a lot more younger people move to the South Side and maybe have a a, a hipper, cooler ballpark that would attract some of those, you know, maybe fans that are on the border there. I think that that would they'd be well served to do something like that uh, when the uh, lease expires. By the way, another ballpark which I've been to, which is absolutely one of the best, hands down, is in San Diego, um, mm-hmm. which is right downtown, the Gaslamp District. All these great restaurants and bars. You can get there by public transportation. It's built right into there with a warehouse and everything. The views are great. It's in a perfect spot as opposed to the Murph, which was way in the outskirts of town. That's a football stadium. Mm-hmm. And the and really made the, the Gary Coleman made-for-TV movie, The Kid from Left Field, unrealistic that Gary Coleman could run all the way to the Murph from where he was. I mean, <laughs> let's get down to We're talking about movies. And what team did the Padres, what team did the Padres win against in the World Series of in the film The Kid from Left Field with uh, Gary Coleman? That would be the Chicago White Sox. So that was uh, um, that's a little another piece of White Sox in um, – in movie land. By the way, if you ever go to, I'm going to plug another uh, site, which is Stadium Page. StadiumPage.com has uh, pictures of all the stadiums in the in the in the that have been used over time, but also the unrealized concepts, including a Soldier Field and White Sox Stadium that was proposed uh, uh, near the Chicago Loop. Several dome projects that were proposed. Uh, in, for the for the White Sox and to have the White Sox dome in uh, DuPage County, 
Right. <laughs> and of course, um, several other, the unrealized, unused, beautiful ballpark that was proposed to them that they turned down. So if you've never been there, check out stadiumpage.com and, and, you know, sort of earmark a, four and a half hours of your time to spend because you're going to go on these amazing deep dives of some what ifs, including like, you know, the dome that was being proposed for the Red Sox and the Yankees moving to New Jersey, all these different things. And, and, and the most heartbreaking one um, for, you know, for me as someone who just loves all around baseball is the, the never built Labatt park in Montreal, which would have, mm. which is what they would have saved the Expos. So mm. There you go. How they ever turned down uh, the trop in St. Petersburg, I'll never know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take a quick time out and preview the rest of the week here on Locked on White Sox. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. All right, friends. Here it is. I've finally done it. A little health and wellness update for you guys. I have finally surpassed the 20-pound plateau. I've lost 21 pounds now uh, given my new... I have lost 21 pounds now since I've really taken more of an active role in improving my physical and mental health, kicking the sweets addiction, which I had. And I don't know if I could have done it without Built Bar. I've been big time into Built Bars the past four or five months or so. I've always enjoyed Built Bars, but they've become a huge part of my daily routine. And with so many great flavors, there's no doubt as to why they've helped me been so successful with my weight loss. For example, just the other day, before Herb and I headed down to Pittsburgh, Built Bar was running a promotion, a free cooler with purchase, so you know I had to jump in on that one. I had to get my little Built Bar cooler. It's awesome. I took it with me on the road here in Pittsburgh and kept my Built Bars nice and cool for Herb and I in the car. No bad road trip snacking. Just because you're on vacation does not mean you have to fall back into old habits, friends. And Built Bars are great, especially for those road trips. They are high in protein, low in carbs, low in sugar, and best of all, they are coated in 100% real chocolate. They taste just like a candy bar but without the guilt. I ordered 18 coconut last week because that's one of my go-tos, but there's a lot of great flavors at BuiltBar.com. Go to BuiltBar.com now and find out which flavor is best for you. And they've got awesome promotions that they run frequently where they have a new flavor that they roll out or they bring back an old flavor that you haven't seen in a while. I'm hoping for that German chocolate cake to make a comeback personally. But go to BuiltBar.com now and use our promo code LOCK15. That's going to get you 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Locked on White Sox is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action at Bet Online. There's so many things you could bet on each and every day at BetOnline.ag. It's got all the latest news, odds, and info on all your sporting needs, including baseball, basketball, hockey, and even your UFC MMA action. Got a huge series with the Cardinals this week. Before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the latest news and odds, and you can sign up for bonuses and contest information. If you're someone who likes to play the Dow, you can bet on what the final digit of the Dow is going to be each and every day, okay? When I tell you they have everything, they have everything. I'm also looking at the hot dog eating contest this year, Joey Chestnut. Right now, the over-under set at 74 and a half hot dogs for Joey Chestnut. 
for Wednesday, June 30th, 2021, the hot dog eating contest for this year. You want to bet on the New York lottery? You can do that. You can bet on whether or not the number is going to be odd or even. I'm telling you, they've got all your betting needs covered here at Bet Online. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the postseason. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And don't forget our promo code locked on at Bet Online. That's promo code locked on for your 50% welcome bonus. All right, on tomorrow's show, the White Sox looking at another off day, their second off day this week, which means it'll give us a chance to open up the mailbag a little bit. We will recap our Pittsburgh road trip and the Pirates series in general and preview the next series, which is the Mariners. The Mariners are in town, and the White Sox are going to be at full capacity, 100%, starting Friday. So if you guys are heading out to that game, let us know, and we'll talk about what it's going to look like with the White Sox operating at 100% capacity. Hopefully you guys can fill up the park, and I know I'm going to try to get out there this weekend as well. So that about does it for this episode. Thank you to our guest, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call him Sully from Lockdown MLB for joining us. And uh, we thank you guys for listening and hanging with us through this episode. So, again, check us out tomorrow. We'll preview the Mariner series, recap the Pirate series, open up the mailbag for a little bit, and maybe we'll have some news. I think Rakan's got to make a trade here sooner than later. Maybe we'll have some news to break down as well. That's all coming up tomorrow here on Locked on White Sox.